Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Meraki Unbox podcast. My name is Sammy Brenner. I'm going to be taking us through the episode today, and I could not be more excited about the amazing female leader that we have on the call, who I will be introducing very shortly here. Uh, but for those of you who have heard me before, you know the spiel, the Meraki Unbox podcast has new content coming out about every two weeks. So if you're listening and you have a great idea or you want to collaborate with us, you want to be on the podcast, please reach out, let me know. We would absolutely love to work with you if it makes sense. So without further ado, let me get into the background and introduction. So Erin Myers came to Cisco Meraki back in 2015, but prior to her time to coming to, to Meraki and working with us, she worked at a VC firm, so a venture capital firm in Menlo Park as a marketing assistant. And then she had a career at a startup where she helped build an operations engine for a company called Message Me, which eventually was acquired by Yahoo. Um, but we got her at Meraki, she landed at Meraki, and, and her time here, she's definitely worn various different hats. So she joined the organization as a sales operations analyst, uh, then became a sales ops manager, and her most recent role is the director of all of sales operations globally. So excited to, to get in and learn more about what that entails. Um, she's helped scale the business from around $500 million to a billion dollars, $5 billion, excuse me, in sales revenue. Wowza. Erin um, lives in the Bay Area with her wife and her three adorable kiddos. Yes, she is a mom of three under the age of five, Fiona, Dylan, and William. They are all adorable. And as a former D1 soccer player, she loves to stay active. So that list includes snowboarding and mountain biking and yoga, just to name a few. Welcome to the Meraki Unbox podcast, Erin. How are you? Thank you, Sammy. I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. We're so happy to have you. That is a pretty inc uh, incredible bio, if I don't say so myself. You have a track <laughs> record of proven success, and you're superwoman because you have three kids, do this job, and like love to stay active and have a life outside of work. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. We're going to have to get into how you make this all look so easy. Um, <laughs> but I, I love to start with this question. Erin, tell us, what is your story, right? How did you kind of get to Cisco Meraki and hear about the company before joining? Yeah, good question. So um, I was happily working at a startup um, as a sales ops analyst and had the pleasure of overlapping with a current employee that is still with Meraki. And um, this employee and I, we overlapped for maybe a week, maybe two, but I think a week. And um, she reached out to me shortly after she had joined Meraki and was like, look, I love this company. We have an open role. I think you'd be a good fit for it. If you're interested, why don't you go ahead and apply? So I'll never forget. I went to the Meraki website, and the first thing I noticed was the office space. I was like, whoa, this is like a real place where people go work. That looks pretty cool. So I applied, and before I knew it, I was in the office for an interview, met the team, interviewed with a, a few sales folks, uh, and also at the time, Chris Story was the leader of our department, met with him. Everyone on the team was super intelligent um, and just really was able to articulate, one, their experience as an employee here, but also the mission of this company. and. Um, 
here I am. I accepted the offer and the rest is history. Eight years later. Wow. The rest is history. That's right. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I echo that sentiment, though, coming in and, and talking with people during my interview process that could articulate the values. And it just felt like such a inclusive environment. The office was beautiful and amazing. It's just, you know, people talk about that Meraki magic, and I definitely felt that um, right away. So it sounds like that kind of drew you in as well. Absolutely. It was one of those things where I was like, all right, like you can, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? And honestly, I am still in awe of the Meraki magic and just, you know, the inclusivity that really is alive here. Um, well, the the really smart and talented people that are all here trying trying to drive you know the the company in in the same type of direction, which is really special. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, you know, after being in sales for a decade, yes, that's kind of crazy to admit. <laughs> I certainly you know understand the importance of a sales sales operations and, and what that means to being a salesperson. You guys are the backbone, right, of how our business runs and, and we could not function without your team. But maybe those listening who aren't as familiar with sales operations or don't know a ton about it, like what is under the sales ops umbrella and like what responsibilities does your team have? Today, under the sales ops umbrellas, there's there's three different teams um, that roll up to me. Um, first being, you know, core sales ops group, which is the team of sales operations coordinators, analysts, sales efficiency and effective analysts. We have some technical experts on our team, as well as a data scientist. And then we also have the sales admin team that um, is really the backbone of the, the field sales organization, as well as the sales support team that helps to ensure that you know, automation through some of the Cisco facing tools land in the right approval buckets. They help with you know, other day-to-day -day run the business tasks that are super important. Um, but really under the remit of sales operations is a cross-collaborative team um, that really touches and influences every single department outside of both outside and inside of the sales organization. And so from a sales-facing perspective, you can think of the sales operations team as a team that really tries to drive global rules and processes that are standardized across the board. Um, since we're a global organization, it's important to, to solve for challenges that the sales team may experience from a global perspective as much as possible. While you know, there are certain circumstances where we have to have theater-specific rules and, and guidelines. They also um, really work on cross-functional projects. So any type of like Cisco-facing initiative, um, such as like, you know, the RSW transition, we work to really bring the, the sales team to the table and think about you know system changes like what's going to be the least impactful how do we make sure that the sales team isn't impacted by by systematic changes and are, are really able to continue focus on their day-to-day -day, which is selling to our customers so that's that's one piece of it um, and then you know the rest is really thinking about efficiency scale automation what are processes that we're running today that from a you know from a long-term perspective, need need to be overhauled and, and fixed, both from 
just the the day-to-day -day overhead from a sales ops team but also to to be able to support the needs of a bit of the business from an architectures and system perspective moving forward wow that's a lot <laughs> that's a lot that your team does so how much of it um is like proactive work versus like reactive work it sounds like your team really straddles the line of like forward thinking, scaling, automation, and then reactive things that are like happening in the systems and in the business and what needs to change? Like, is that a conversation that you have with your team? That's a great question. Yeah, that is a conversation that we we have pretty regularly with the team. Um, I think for context, when Septon, as the leader of this organization, we were very much of a, a reactive team right like kind of hid behind our computers did process driven things like didn't really have a solid frontward facing relationship with sales and to me to be successful in an operations role but specifically in sales operations like your rules your processes like any any type of changes it's only as good as the buy-in that you have from your sales leaders and your sales team and so the first couple of years we worked really hard to become front and center right make make the sales leaders the sales team our best friend so that we could really dive into the details to understand what their day-to-day -day experience was like as well as you know get get an idea of where it is we're going we had a high level understanding of course from you know the lrsp certain okrs things like that but we were still very much reactive in nature and so upon partnering with sales more closely, having those relationships across the board within the organization, it really helped us get more proactive than reactive and you know, kind of get ahead of the game so that we have the infrastructure, we have the policies in place so that you know, when that conversation does arrive, it's like, hey, we actually already have a solution for this and here's what it is, here's why, here's why we landed here. Uh, on top of that, any type of major changes that we do, we usually identify a, a sales stakeholder to be the executive sponsor to help kind of, you know, articulate the, the mission, the why down to the sales team that helps with the buy-in and the change. And it's, it's easier to get those processes adopted the more front-facing you are there. There are certainly things where we, we do have to be reactive in nature, right? We're a lean team support a very large sales organization. And so with an with a company of this scale, you know, there's there's natural things that slip through that may be a priority with one team that, you know, we weren't necessarily looped in on early on. And so there's there's a need to, you know, kind of level set, give them an understanding of where we are today, what we can or cannot do to support this initiative, and then define a, a roadmap to where we can can get to ideally some sort of automation or scalable process moving forward. Got it. Got it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for kind of digging into that. And it's cool to hear the evolution of your team where you came in and it very much felt reactive and now how it's turned. Um, and you have to do some of that by nature, but you're, you're definitely have a more strategic lens on the business and, um, that's that's awesome to hear. So talk to me a little bit about what your day-to-day -day looks like. I mean, you manage so many different teams. 
you know, that team is global, uh, myself being in a global role, it's really hard to feel like you're an effective leader in three different geos, three different time zones, right, that are vastly different. Um, talk to us about like how you you manage your time, you manage your day, and what's it like to oversee this this global team? Yeah, so first of all, the leaders that I have um, that roll up to me, I feel so lucky um, from, you know, Sean, Sean Kumar, who leads the, the sales support team, Jessica Phillips, Rebecca Palmer, we have some team leads under them, um, and then Catherine Hang, Danae Johnson, and, and Jake Taylor that lead different teams under the, the sales ops team specifically. Um, you know, they, they're a team of rock stars, and I think that first and foremost, we have weekly check-ins um, with, with each of the, the leadership teams, and I really view my role here as, one, setting the foundation for, you know, what the goal is for this fiscal year as a company, uh, and then really breaking that down to each of the individual teams, what that means for them. And, you know, kind of letting them run their team like they're their own CEO, and I'm here to one make sure that their work is is brought forward to leadership so it's celebrated. Um, two, remove any roadblocks that they may encounter upon the way, as well as um, help solve any of the issues. But really believe in that self empowerment with the leadership team, and um, you know I'm, I'm I'm just here as an advisor really uh, to to help them, um, but certainly don't want to get in in their way. If I were to look at that that room and that list of people, you know, they always say to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. Well, that's certainly my team, um, and it works, and it, it works really well. From a day-to-day -day perspective, um, you know, sales operations is really a cool role because, like I said before, you're involved with every single department under the Meraki umbrella, and so you get to work with engineers, developers, project managers, project management, like ev literally everyone. And so a lot of my time is spent on these larger company initiatives and again, wearing, wearing that sales hat, helping articulate the vision and the strategy of the sales team and figuring out how that fits into the, the broader picture as, as an organization as we continue to evolve. It's super fun, right? Like, you don't always have the answers. It's a lot of strategy. It's a lot of, you know, hey, let's go get this person's perspective. I certainly have my opinions, but um, let's, let's collect opinions across the board and, and come up with the best proposal to be able to drive something forward. So that, that's certainly something that I love about my job is just those those various relationships that you, you get to build in this role across the, the company. Oh, that's so awesome. So you said a couple things that I want to touch on, which I think speak to your leadership style, making sure that your leaders, like their work is celebrated. Um, that's so important, right? It is folks having a leader who they feel like sees them, understands them, recognizes incredible work. Um, and that just means that they're, they want to work harder, right, for their leaders. So love that you said that and, and you know, this idea of surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you, amen. That is my hiring <laughs> strategy too. Um, but yeah, very cool too that, you know, to your point, sales operations, you really do touch 
every segment of the business and you're learning things every day and you're meeting new people and you really cannot operate in a silo. That's like not an option for your team. Um, so, right, communication um, is everything. So, you know, speaking of your leadership style, uh, you didn't have, right, the most traditional path into leadership. Um, you started out, you know, in operations and kind of moved your way up and eventually got into a leadership position. But have you always felt called to lead a team? Is it something you fell into? Like, talk to us about what your path was here at Meraki. That, I don't really know how to answer that question, but I'm going to give you my best answer. I think that Growing up in sports, right, like going all the way through college as a D1 athlete, um, that team type environment was super natural to me, and that's where I thrive. I think that one of the things that I always take with me in terms of like just meeting people where they're at is like people just want to, one, understand if they're, they're seen, if they're heard and um, if what they're saying matters. And I think that like, again, being being in that team environment and then coming into Meraki, which was very much like, almost like a, a flat organization at the time. Like every single person, no matter their title, was reachable and would make time for you. And that was something that I thought was really special. Um, it also scared the hell out of me, but I also was I don't, given the opportunity to ask my questions, and like I, I, I too felt that you know what I what I had to say mattered, um, and so with that feeling, it kind of came naturally, right? Like I, I had a, a leader at the time that I'll never forget pulled me aside and was like, "Look, I want you in this role." My immediately my immediate response was, mm, I'm not a fit for this role. I'm not fit for leadership. I was like, absolutely not. Yes, you are. Here's why. Here's what I want you to do. Trust me on this one. You need to take a leap of faith and, and trust your skill set. And me, like I, I define myself as an introvert. Like, oof, like, I don't know. I don't know about this, but I dove in with two feet and Found out over time, like I, I still, I feel like I need to give myself more credit for this, but I didn't realize that I had a an ability to connect with people on just like a human to human level. Like let's let's build a really like a professional relationship and let's see how to make this work. And I think that in doing so and seeing the buy-in from the team. Getting, getting my network expanded almost immediately within the company um, made me feel more comfortable in what I was doing. And it also made me reflect on, gosh, there's probably a lot of other people that have very similar feelings to me that also need to be pushed into, you know, stretch assignments, bigger roles than what they're doing right now. And, you know, it was also a learning lesson as well. Like, you know, there's other people that are fine where they are. And that is that is 100% acceptable. Some people are like, yep, I know I could probably do this, but actually I'm, I'm good right here. So learning that balance and really just drawing on those connections and those relationships that I was able to build 
helped me grow into where I am today. Certainly still have leaders that, you know, I'm lucky to have a lot of mentors within within the organization and outside of it that continue to push me beyond my comfort level um, to, you know, lead lead the organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, that's such a relatable story. Um, and the fact that you had a leader who saw something in you, who was like, you know, follow me, take a chance, let's try this. And you were vulnerable enough to say, okay, like I'm going to trust you and you see something in me and I don't see it in myself right now. Um, it's so important. And now you can show up and be that leader for other people, which I know you already have been. So that's amazing. Yeah, yeah I feel lucky. I hope that I am that leader for someone else that is also, you know, doesn't have the the confidence maybe right now um, to to push beyond their their comfort zone. But I certainly hope to give that gift and pass that on. Yep, absolutely. Um, and, and, you, and you already have it, right? You said your ability to connect with people on a human to human level, like that is a superpower, right? That's so important. And we know half of the job is just making sure our people feel seen and heard. Um, absolutely. And they're recognized for the work they do. So. Um, thank you for, for being that leader here at our company. Now, I know you're going to blush when we talk about this, um, but you have an incredible brand at this company. And I remember when I joined, your name kept coming up and people were like, you need to meet Erin. You need to, you know, she's a big deal. Uh, she's well connected. She knows people. She has tons of, she's a wealth of knowledge. Um, she's extremely well respected. She's a strong female leader within this organization. Um, but you don't always put yourself in the spotlight to, you know, you're not like a me, me, me kind of person, right? Um, so you kind of have this delicate balance. And and you and I have talked about this before, um, imposter syndrome and maybe. Yeah, you say the words. You know, I know. You say the words. I know. And not even <laughs> wanting to do this podcast, maybe, <laughs> but you've taken the the company, right? You've helped us grow from 500 million to 5 billion. And that is a big deal. So, you know, talk to us a little bit about, for people listening out there, your experience with it, because imposter syndrome manifests differently for different people. So what is your experience been around it? And do you have um, a situation that you could share with us that you like overcame it? Or how do you actively deal with it? I struggle with imposter syndrome to the point where I still get extremely nervous just to host my own team meetings within my department. Um, And I share it, right? Like, I think it's important. There's people that struggle with it. There's some that don't, but like, I'm human and I have these feelings and I'm still going to stand up and I'm going to put my best foot forward and you know, host hopefully a super interesting meeting with a lot of takeaways, good dialogue, et cetera. Um, I will never forget this one time we, Todd Nightingale was our leader at the time. We're on the fourth floor in the cafeteria at um, an all hands meeting. And actually I think it was an ask me anything session. And he was rolling out a new initiative, company-wide initiative at Meraki. And um, at the time, it was like, you know, Meraki was the first time, at least, that the conversation about, like, 
everyone feeling like we were siloed in the work that we were doing, right? And it's like, gosh, we're feeling these growing pains. Like it's, it's becoming harder and harder to get work done across departments. It seems like, you know, we're not aligned on our priorities, like our strategies. And so Todd, Todd stood up and was like, we hear you. This is what we're going to do about it. And as he was talking, I remember thinking and like my legs started shaking. I was like, gosh, I actually don't see how this is going to help. It actually, in my opinion, I think that this is going to make us even more siloed. So I was sitting there and again, the leader um, that had pushed me into leadership was sitting right next to me and he looks at me and he's like, you have a question, don't you? And I shook my head yes. And then, I wanted to say no, but he knew that I had a question. And so he, he actually raised his hand, got the microphone and handed it to me. And I had no choice but to stand up and ask my question. And <laughs> my legs were shaken. My voice probably cracked a couple, a couple times, but nonetheless, I stood up and I asked my question. And Todd stood there perplexed and I was like, you know what? That's a really good question, and I don't have an answer for you right now, but I'm going to come find you after this meeting. Wow. And so I sat down, like, oh, my goodness, like, I, I can't believe I just did that, but um, I'm so glad I asked it. It was relevant because, you know, in my head, I was like, yeah, this, this question doesn't make sense. Like, everyone's going to know the answer to this. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Well, come to find out, uh, I had a great conversation. Todd, Todd did come find me almost immediately after that meeting. We had a really good conversation. And I think that that was like one of the first times where I like, you know, imposter syndrome to the max um, was kind of forced to, to stand up and ask my question. But in reality, I was so glad I did because one, I'm able to share that story with, with other folks that, that struggle with imposter syndrome as well. Um, but it, it, was, it was a lesson in, hey, like, there are no dumb questions. Like, stand up and ask your question. If you have a question, ask it. Um, if you have something to say, you know, whether it's in that, that setting or in a different setting, certainly go to your leader and it's worth a conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and so... You know, I, I, again, like, try to find my zen before my, like, any any meeting, whether it be a team meeting or, you know, another cross-functional meeting that that I have to lead or, uh, you know, with, with senior staff and just speak from where I'm at, right? Like, I, I have a different view than everyone else of the business, and what I've learned over time is it's valuable. Um, and I certainly feel a certain way about something, um, or certainly have questions to pose to the group. Um, you know, it's, it, it's not going to go anywhere if you don't say anything or if you don't, you know, use your voice and speak. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think the other biggest thing for me on this subject, uh, imposter syndrome is a lot of folks feel this way. And, um, it's interesting to build like that that network of of comfort and you know resources and support to continue to to move forward and evolve yourself and, and grow. Um, and at times it becomes easier for me, but um, you know even right now I certainly feel nervous and gosh, do I have anything valuable that people want to listen to? Um, but you know 
you don't know unless you put it out there. Exactly. And I can answer both of those questions and it's yes, <laughs> yes, always. Uh, you have so much value to add and your perspective is so unique. And because you touch so many different teams, I mean, you're really like the melting pot. You see so much, you touch so much, you have such an expansive view of the business that like your input is imperative to what we do and decisions that are being made. Um, but thank you for sharing that. I mean, that that kind of spins off to like, you called yourself, you know, an introvert, right? So I'm going to call you kind of a self-proclaimed introvert. This idea of exposure and building your brand and making sure people know who you are within an organization and know the work you do. I can tell you leading the, you know, the global ADR organization, a lot of my ADRs are, are trying to learn how to build out that skill set, right? How do I put myself out there? How do I meet people? How do I add value? Is it really that important to my future? You know, building my brand networking. So Aaron, what, like, what do you think about this whole idea of building your brand and getting out there? And I guess, how have you done it? And what tips do you have for people who are maybe apprehensive or don't know to where, where to begin, or maybe don't think it's that valuable? Like what's your, what's your input there? I think for me, it, it, it's happened organically, but if I were to take a bird's eye view and kind of look at my my track record here, I think that, again, it's important to meet people where they are. Like, you know, I think one kind of cheesy example is like, you know, you, you join a meeting, you've never met these, these folks before, and you see someone that's wearing a UNC Tar Heel shirt, right? It's like, oh. UNC fan, who's your favorite player, right? Like building that connection with someone is super important. Like let's pause. You know, we're we're all here to to get work done, et cetera, but we spend a lot of time together. And you know, there's that like baseline level of building a professional relationship and it's observing, learning, asking questions, like really understanding like how do you best communicate? Like, what's your what's your preference? Is it an in-person meeting? Is it a walk? Like, what? How how are we going to maximize our time together? I think is is the first thing. Like, slowing down. Like, let's move slow to be fast. Like, you know what? And then it it kind of helps you understand how to best work with someone, how to best talk to them. How you know is it email communication? Like, what what? What works best for you? Um, I think that's something that, you know, one, again, I didn't know that I had this, like, skill set, but I think that that's what has really helped me build my reputation and my brand. Like, I, I, I want to I know who Sammy Brenner is, like, you know, and then how do you lead your team? Let me Let me understand more about you, your leadership, your team, like, you know, and then let's let's figure out we're going to best work together and we have a, a great experience together and again that baseline foundation of that relationship you know projects get slowed timelines get pushed like it 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 just helps it helps with that conversation there's an established level of trust there um so that you know that we're we're in this together and we're we're both working together to drive this project to completion or you know make this big change within within a team or an organization. I think that that really helps. And 
you know, there's certainly a time and a place for that, but like, I think carving out that space is really important. And I could, I, yeah, I was just gonna say, I couldn't agree more. Like developing that genuine interest in the other person goes so far. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think if you look at my team, right, like my team probably has the lowest attrition rates in all of Meraki. And like that, that baseline level of trust, like healthy banter, you know, let's debate something, let's agree to disagree. Like that's how that the team shows up. And I think that that's how you drive a successful team is diversity in thought you know, the openness to challenge one another to, you know, force people to think outside of the box because, you know, sometimes you can be so focused on, you know, singular goal of accomplishment that you miss a couple pieces that could really help something get off the ground or help something scale. Um, and so having that collaborative environment with respect and trust is, is really important and helps you efficiently you know get things done yeah no small feet my friend lowest attrition rate <laughs> in meraki little flex i love it and it's so small true your team, yeah your team sticks around for a reason and you do create that environment where people can rumble right and challenge and say controversial ideas or opinions or asking for feedback or input and it's like a safe space and you're allowed to agree to disagree Exactly, uh, but also challenge me, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I that challenge and like, you know, helping me think outside the box, et cetera, like it goes across the board. Um, again, like I view my role as someone that celebrates their work, removes barriers, but um, you know, I believe in the value of like having a flat, a flat org. Mm -hmm. um, really helps us be even more successful in what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, in terms of people challenging you, I, I want you to share some of your experience around like conflict management. So, you know, being in sales operations, you're working with sales leaders all the time, or just different leaders across all, all different BUs of the business. And there's going to be people with strong opinions and there are going to be account battles and there are going to be leaders or individuals who are not happy right with decisions that have been made and i have been in meetings with you where you have this like uncanny ability to just stay like cool calm collected and operate from like a facts first model and make decisions that are going to be right for the business as a whole talk to us a little bit about how you stay grounded and calm in those like very high stress situations you make it look so easy but i know it's not like what is what's the secret well i think one having to play zone defense with three young children at home help no um you know again um it's that notion of let's move slow to be fast let's one give everyone in this conversation an uninterrupted opportunity to speak their perspective without interrupting give them that that platform to speak right and listening with intent right because there's a fine balance for making a decision that's in the best interest of the the business right and that's that's always first and foremost but then there's a people aspect right like it's the right thing to do for this 
the sales team? Like, can we find a middle ground? Because as detailed as we want to make, let's say, the rules of engagement, there's gray areas, there's corner cases, et cetera. And so I think that being able to listen from a non-biased perspective and also realizing that I don't have to make an uh, make it a, a decision right then and there, right? Like something where I can give everyone the space again to feel heard. Um, I can give my immediate feedback, um, but also let folks know that I'm either going to take this back and sit with it for a little bit and I will follow up and whether that's over email or call another meeting to, to go through my decision, that's one thing. Um, but, you know, I think that, again, it goes back to those basic principles of people want to feel seen, they want to feel heard, and they want to know that what they said mattered. And painting that, that picture for everyone and creating space to minimize the emotion around it, like let's just speak from the facts, and then go from there is super important when you're dealing with conflict. And so that's, you know, that's often what I lead with in those those scenarios. Um, and even, you know, whether it's sales to sales related or, you know, cross-functional initiatives where it's like, oof, like, we don't have this in place. Like, are we sure that this is the best decision for the company right now? Like, are we considering operational overhead to support this? What about the, the you know, sales rep experience if they don't have visibility to this? Like, what are we gaining by pressing forward here? Or is, there, is it in our best interest to go back, re reset expectations around prioritization, and make sure that we have the full end-to-end -end solution in place before rolling this out? Um, so, you know, there's power in the pause, right? And that's something that I I certainly have learned over time. You know, when I first stepped into this role, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I need to respond to this email and I need to have an answer right away. Or, I, oh my gosh, I'm going to go into this meeting and they're expecting me to have an answer right then and there. It's not the case. It's not always the case. And, you know, it, it's not always in your best interest to shoot off the cuff to to try and have an answer just to make that conflict go away because if you're not diligent in your thought and thinking about the company, um, you know, and all, all the different scenarios that usually go into making a decision of such nature, then there's things that are going to get missed and um, you're, you're not really going to be able to speak to the why behind it for, you know, wh whoever was, for lack of better words, losing in that scenario. Um, and so, you know, being able to clearly articulate your decision um, and the why behind it also helps, right? It helps with the trust. It helps with those relationships moving forward and the event that there's a, another conflict that arises, which normally will happen. Um, but, it, you know, it, it, helps it helps people find comfort in that you're looking at all sides of the coin, not just one, not just the loudest person in the room, if you will. Right, right. Wow, I, I took so many notes during that response. I mean, the the biggest takeaway is power in the pause. Ooh, like 
full on yes. That resonated so deeply with me. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times I want to be really quick just to say something or respond or, you know, clap back or fire back quickly. But the times where I restrain, I think I approach things with, not that I don't think, but, you know, approach things with curiosity versus um, blame, right? And then you just kind of step back and take a pause and you listen. That is so crucial because it's just the outcomes are just better. They just are, right? If you give yourself an hour or 24 hours or a day and you marinate and you think through all the things and like to your point, you're not looking at one side of the coin, it's, it's just a better outcome. Right. It's you kind of take the emotion out of it and you're looking at the facts. And um, I think for every individual, whether you're a leader or an individual contributor, that is such a powerful statement, like power in the pause, take your time. Um, and then like listening with intent. I think a lot of times, Aaron, people hear themselves talk and then they're just like waiting for the next time they can interject or say something. Right. But actively listening and understanding, you know, what is their intent? What do they need? I want to make sure that I'm like hearing all sides. Um, that's another one that's huge. And, and do you feel in those situations when you've been able to like um, actually follow through right on all of those like key things that even if a leader doesn't like what, what you have to say, that there are oftentimes more like amicable or um they get it too. Like you've kind of diffused the situation. I guess that's the question. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like in heated situations, exactly what you said, Sammy is like, you know, oftentimes, and I'm guilty of this too, is like you are just waiting to interject to get another point across instead of listening to the other side. And oftentimes like any type of conflict when you, you come in with that type of like, I'm ready to go, I'm the, I'm the one that's right, it gets lost. And, you know, some of the time you don't even know what you're arguing anymore. And so I think that my role here is to really help lay that, that framework and that foundation so that we're able to have have a conversation about it. And, you know, again, like, not all sides may may see the the decision or you know but being able to articulate the why thoroughly is the most important part and it, it helps you know it helps for me and my my position to make those you know articulated movements and decisions while also notating like the conflict so that it's like okay this is happening with with these folks happening with other folks and you know when it comes time to review our rules perhaps there's there's room for improvement here like how how can we come up with a new policy um, to prevent this moving forward sometimes you can't right like you don't want to have rules that are so you know it's like reading an encyclopedia not translatable to anyone you end up with more questions anyway um, you know but at least a very thorough guideline on you know the rules and the policies to keep people focused and to eliminate any types of conflicts of this nature like we're talking about that's our goal here right yeah uh thank you so much for sharing that i know i definitely i needed to hear that and it's such a good reminder 
Um, being really articulate with your reasoning. If you know you don't go a certain way, explaining the why and, and active listening are, are such a huge part of that. So we have time for one more question. I can't believe we're already at the end. This has been uh, <laughs> so fun. Um, tell yourself. So, so so let me ask you. Are you've been at Meraki for over eight years now? Or, you know, coming up on a decade with the company, which is incredible. You've navigated so much change. Looking back, what is one piece of advice that you would give yourself on your first day at Meraki? I think that looking back, I would tell myself to ask my questions. Don't sit with them. You know, immediately feel your feel your people out like find find your network that is outside of your team right like build a diverse network and take calculated risks like that is one thing that I love at Meraki it was like it's a risk taking culture and like let's let's challenge the status quo let's let's think outside the box um, you know let's let's be able to say why um, we think this way and why we want to flip this thing on its head um, and then go do it and test it. Um, I think doing that earlier would have helped me um, in the longer term to be more confident in the skill set that I have to bring to the table. Um, you know, it's, again, I was very lucky to have leaders that kind of put me under their wing, like, we see this in you, like, go do this, go ask your questions, that sort of thing. Um, and I needed that push, but I, I always had it in me, um, just didn't have the, the confidence necessarily to be that person. Yeah, wow, that is really good advice. Um, and it resonated with me in that hit home to, you know, build your network, ask the questions, do it sooner, um, have faith in that what you are thinking, probably 10 other people have that same question. So just ask it, right? Um, great. Well, Erin, thank you so much for joining. What did you think? Your first podcast in the books. I think it's my first and my last. Thank you for having me, Sammy. This was great. <laughs> your first and your last. I thought you were going to totally fall in love with it. Sign me up for next time. week. No, no, no. Just kidding. I know. Uh, well, thank you again for joining. I'm so excited to continue to work with you and to partner with you. Likewise. You are one of the best that we have. And I'll right say it right here. Yes. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. That wraps up another episode of the Meraki Unbox podcast. Again, my name is Sammy Brenner. Thank you so much for tuning in, for sticking with us. And be sure to come back here in two weeks. We will have a new episode and amazing content ready for you. Take care.